I'm Victoria Doherty, and welcome to the cold. Cold is the way revenge is best served, the way a war was fought, and the way a story should be told. And here in the cold, we do talk about story in all of its forms. We talk about stories we read in novels, in newspapers, in fam- just the stories we hear with, with in our families, family lore. Um, and what we absorb from them, what we learn from them, how they teach us to tell stories, how they teach us about our lives, for heaven's sake. And you know, while some of the greatest stories I've heard have actually not come out of novels, um, or even my own imagination, although those are great, uh, or films, they've been told to me by people I've met, whether they are people in my life, um, people close to me, like family members, but you know, not necessarily. Sometimes you just meet someone and, and you don't know them very well, and yet they end up teaching you something through one of their stories that is just, well, revolutionary for your life and takes you to places you never thought you'd go and helps you think things through in a way that perhaps you wouldn't have or couldn't have had you not simply sat down and had coffee with them or, you know, bumped into them somewhere and at a friend's house and, you know, ended up talking to an old auntie or something like that. Um, and I definitely have, well, I have many such people like that in my life, in my life, but um, I want to tell you about one of them in particular. Years ago, my Aunt Vicki and Uncle George owned a small, cheerful retirement home near Tampa, Florida. It was called Park Manor and was made up of mostly middle-class old folks who more often than not felt some connection to my family's Czech heritage. Now, Vicki and George although only in their early 40s at the time, um, well, they were like mom and dad at this place. And they got to know each and every one of those people who, you know, chose to make their lovely little assisted living facility their home. As you can imagine, (laughs) there were a lot of unforgettable characters at Park Manor. The octogenarian former beauty queen who slinked around in low-cut party dresses by day and transparent negligees by night. She had this huge crush on my then 22-year-old brother and used to invite him to her (coughs) room. He didn't go. (laughs) Then there were these warring Czech brides. 50 years earlier, one had run off with the other one's husband and they hadn't seen each other since. Now, in the kind of twist of fate that proves God really does have a sense of humor, these ladies were made roommates at Park Manor. Ignorant of their past, my aunt figured that, well, you know, since they both spoke Czech, they'd make fast friends, but instead they had to be placed on opposite wings or else be found rolling on the floor pulling each other's hair out. But of all the lovebirds, 
the Wicked Witches, the Playboys, the Card Sharks, the War Heroes and Comedians, and Master Bakers, none was more memorable than a woman named Merle. At 101 years old, Merle stood slender and erect with only the help of a hand-carved cane. Short gray hair, equally gray eyes that twinkled like deep water on an overcast day. Neat, comfortable shoes, no makeup other than lipstick, well, you can't forget that you're a woman, she'd say. Merle had been married twice and widowed twice. Always ready for a laugh at her own expense, she had displayed on her night table this, like, come-hither picture of herself taken by her second husband on her second wedding night. In it, she was, oh God, probably 75 years old and looked pretty damn good in a long black silky nightgown with her hair swept up. Now Merle always had a story and I never heard a single negative word come out of her mouth on any of my visits. And this was a woman who'd lived through World War I, the Great Depression, World War II, segregation, the Cold War, Vietnam, uh, Jimmy Carter, for goodness sake, she used to say, but she always said that in good humor. But the most extraordinary thing about Merle was expressed on Sunday afternoons. Sundays at Park Manor were by far the most popular visiting days as you know many families chose to stop in for lunch after church. Now by mid-afternoon or so, many visitors would start to take their leave. There were dinners to be made and well, old folks get tired. But at Merle's, the party was just getting started. Nearly every single Sunday, Merle's room was so filled with visitors that many had to linger in the hall and take turns going in. There was boisterous laughter and like children's squeals and just about any style of music from ragtime to swing to rock and roll. And it all just like echoed throughout her wing. Her children, her grandchildren, and her great-grandchildren from her first marriage were there, but so were her second husband's children, although she couldn't have met them until they were well into middle age themselves. I mean, she clearly had made such inroads into their hearts, and she counted her second husband's grandchildren as hers too. And everyone stayed up to the minute when visiting hours ended. I guess I paid such close attention to Merle because of the wasted love I'd seen in my own family. I'd watched too many loved ones give away the ties that bind like they were 25 cent raffle tickets. They ran from their mistakes in their young lives and they just kept running throughout their middle years and even well beyond. I mean, in fairness, it seemed to work for them. By and large, they were free to live lives unencumbered by the inconveniences that true emotional responsibility 
can visit upon a person. And they also remain free of the benefits as well, always appearing vaguely uncomfortable when faced with a gush of a happy child's love or a chance view of a tender kiss stolen between a husband and wife at a crowded family gathering. In my observations, sooner or later, they simply ended up. I remember my aunt telling me that her experience at Park Manor had taught her that most people who ended up alone on Sunday after Sunday had earned it. And I've just found that to be a devastating revelation. Shortly after Merle finally died, well, my aunt and uncle got an offer that they couldn't refuse. It was from a large convalescent home chain and basically sewed up their very hard-earned retirement. But it was tough for them to let go because my aunt and uncle really cared about the people at Park Manor, excuse me, And, I mean, they looked out for their dignity and their quality of life for so many years. On their last day, the place was filled with house-made chocolate pudding and tears. And later, later my aunt admitted to me that she could have never sold the place while Merle was still alive. Oh, that Merle. (laughs) Considering I really only met her a handful of times, she's had a pretty disproportionate effect on the way I view my life. When I find myself wallowing over my, you know, my usual litany of complaints, undoubtedly revolving around childcare or work or a lack of me time, Merle often pops into my mind. And I'm sure I romanticize her to some extent, and that there are people out there who might tell a whole different story about the way she conducted her life, you know, one that reveals her human foibles. Like if she got pissed drunk before the school play, then heckled the entire seventh grade class cast of the importance of being earnest or something, or or she called her Aunt June a whore during Thanksgiving, or threatened to leave her husband for their son's history teacher, perhaps. But even if all those things were true, I think I'd still hold her up as a gold standard and the way I want to end up. Especially since I've got so many of my own foibles. But, you know, Merle's example has just served as this lifelong reminder to me that the benefits of love accrue. Even when we mess up spectacularly, it's always worth going back for more, trying to right what we've done wrong. And Merle's life truly seemed to exemplify that. I mean, how could she not have given so much more than she got, seeing the devotion she inspired long after her family stopped needing her after all? She seemed to embrace the sad and the wonderful truth about the human family. That the people under your roof, well, they're simply not happier when you're more fulfilled, when your time is respected, 
They're happier when you go out of your way for them. When you drop what you're doing to have a laugh and a kiss. The same way I know I'll be happier if my children set aside their Sundays for me when I'm in my own version of Park Manor. One that hopefully includes a travel club or, you know, a bar studio and, and, and some rabid boxing fans and maybe a couple of dance halls and a tiki bar, an old cowboy or two. <laughs> because even if my son and my daughters are crazy busy and have cupcakes to make for a bake sale or a big presentation at work due early that Sunday morning, well, no, I'm the one who works on Sundays. <laughs> Maybe it would be a Monday morning. I want them in my room. I want them in my room laughing and talking and listening to music, fighting to take their turn from the hallway. And learning that, you know, those are the things that we can learn from people's stories and from the novels we read, from stories in general. But damn, when we see them up close, like I did with Merle, when we see perhaps the mistakes that family members made, but also just the things they did right, it has the ability to change our lives and our perspectives and help us to keep from merely ending up. And yes, I mean, if my stories can do that, then maybe that's what I was put on this earth for. And and I I really do hope that they have that kind of effect on somebody out there. Um, And on my own children as well. So that is that today. And um, as usual, I will put all of our relevant links into the show notes. And I ask that if you are enjoying the cold, to please give it a follow and um, give it a starred review on your platform of choice. That is just so helpful to get the word out because, um, you know, doing these week after week, I love doing them and I love being able to connect with readers and listeners. Um, But that family can only grow through, um, well, just people being, being willing to talk about it and tell people about it. So I thank you for that. And until next week, stay cold, my friends. Stay very, very cold. <laughs>